prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, director John M. Chu delivers a big crowd pleaser with In the Heights. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Mr. John M. Chu, filmmaker extraordinaire, coming off of Crazy Rich Asians with what is sure to be another big hit, a big crowd pleaser, as I said. In the Heights, one of the films of the summer, if not the year, and I was thrilled to have him back on the podcast. John was last on the show five years ago, prior to Crazy Rich Asians. He's obviously in a much different part of his career right now helming two back-to-back, hugely successful, just artistically speaking. We obviously don't know what the box office is going to be for In the Heights, but I can tell you, having seen it twice, this one delivers. It is, of course, from the mind of Lin-Manuel Miranda, based on his award-winning musical that came before Hamilton and is now being realized on the big screen, shot on location in the Heights of New York. And, um, yeah, as I said, this is this one... This one really delivers. If you've seen the ads for it, you've might maybe heard the testimonials from the likes of Dwayne Johnson and Oprah, and everybody agrees this one just works. Uh, it's going to be in theaters this Friday, also on HBO Max. I will say, and I feel like I'm sounding like a shill, but I really enjoyed this movie, and it's so great to talk about a film that delivers, and just like I can't imagine somebody watching this movie and not having a smile on their face and just enjoying it. But uh, if you have the opportunity, you should go see uh, this one in the theaters if you're feeling safe, if you're vaccinated. Um, definitely check it out. Um, I, I shared this film with my family recently for the second go around and my little nieces loved it. And uh, yeah, it's something that really resonates with every family, whether you know the specificity of the heights in New York or not, um, a film well worth checking out. And so happy for John M. Chu, who is really kind of like a born filmmaker. He's been doing it for a while. He's still a young man, but he, you know, he started with the Step Up movies and then did like the Justin Bieber doc and the Now You See Me sequel and now really coming into his own again with um, back-to-back successes like Crazy Rich Asians and this one. Plus, he's a big fan of Willow. So that's good enough in my book to be a filmmaker worth paying attention to. Um, so that's the main event on today's show, John M. Chu talking all things in the Heights. No big spoilers. This isn't the kind of movie that really has any spoilers anyway. So if you haven't seen it yet, just enjoy hearing um, a filmmaker, you know, wax poetic about what it was like to helm his first big movie musical. Other stuff to mention, um, of course, I'm thrilled and excited to say that um, I'm enjoying Loki, and I know uh, a lot of you out there probably listen uh, to my stuff with Tom Hiddleston over the years, I've watched our stuff, and um, I watched the first two episodes, they're fantastic and weird and fun and silly and thrilling, so very happy for Tom and very happy for all of us that we get to enjoy that. Um, yes, I spoke to Tom Hiddleston very recently, and it's a great chat, and it is coming soon. More on that later, but lest you thought I wasn't going to get to catch up with Mr. Hiddleston, fear not. That one is well worth waiting for. Um, other things to mention. Oh, well, over on the Patreon, of course, patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. We have video versions of the podcast, including this one. If you want to watch me and John M. Chu chat, our recent chat with Chelsea Handler is on there, our recent chat with Andrew Garfield. And of course, game nights. Um, we have just recorded a fantastic game night. I'm not going to announce the guests just yet, but very, very soon, in a couple days, the next game night will be up with a major, major movie star, 
an Academy Award-winning female actor. Hmm, how many more clues do I want to give? I don't know. It's a big one. So there's that. I'm also recording a couple more game nights in the next few weeks, including, and I feel like I'm jinxing it now, but if all goes according to plan, a special in-person edition of Game Night. I have not done an in-person like anything outside of doing the MTV Awards a couple weeks back, so this is going to be a treat. Again, knock on wood, if all goes according to plan, that is going to be a very special episode for the Patreon. Um, so check it out, go subscribe, get involved, and uh, an embarrassment of riches awaits you on patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. Okay. Uh, hope you guys are enjoying the summer. It's it's a sweaty day in New York, which feels appropriate given the subject matter of the podcast today. A big, sweaty, fun summer movie in In the Heights. Uh, enjoy my conversation with a very talented filmmaker, Mr. John M. Chu. John M. Chu, it's it's so good to see you, man. Especially uh, to talk about this um, this gift you've given the universe. How you doing, man? Uh, I am, I'm, I'm just so honestly elated to uh, know that we can show this on the big screen, uh, to see audiences back, to hear them cheer, to see people out, you know, outside asking for autographs from our actors. Like, that's the dream. That's what we wanted for Anthony, as we wanted for Leslie and Melissa. And uh, to see that is, it's actually like healing, to be honest. We're, we're, we're talking on the eve of the opening of Tribeca. Um, the the uh, event is going to be just, I, I can only imagine how this is going to be for an audience. But but before we get to all that, that fun stuff, I just wanted to like, kind of put some stuff in context because it occurs yeah. to me, the last time we had a lengthy chat, you were on the podcast about five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, a lot has transpired in five years for all of us, but also, but especially for you, my friend, you, uh, uh, you've um, expanded the family. Yeah. You've, you've uh, delivered um, Crazy Rich Asians to us. You've now, you're now delivering in the Heights. Um, just give me a sense of like, does it feel like, I mean, you know, you were in a positive space then, but like it was a different space. You were coming off of in quick succession relatively, uh, as I recall, Gem and Now You See Me Too. Yeah. Um, you know, successful films in different ways, in different respects, but this is kind of a different or order of magnitude. Does it feel yeah. like a thousand years have passed since those five years or give me a sense <laughs> of sort of what, what it's been like for you? Some days it feels like a thousand uh, years have passed for sure. But other times, um, in a weird way, it feels like I'm going back to being a kid again um, in college and thinking like, hey, what do I want to make? What should I be making? Like, those are the questions I asked myself in college. Um, once I had my short and I got into making studio movies, it was like, oh man, how, what is this? How do I do this? This is a different thing. Um, and so it took a good 10 years of, of learning this thing before I could come back to the question of, okay, now what are you making and, and, and why? Yeah, and it seems like the, 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 the projects, even if they're not literally born of your own story are getting more and more personal to you. Um, and, yeah. and, and frankly, you're getting better and better material to work with. You're getting the keys to the, to the Corvette and the Ferrari, and now <laughs> you're showing what you can do with it. And, uh, and you're not disappointing anybody. So, so congrats yeah. and all and of I'm, it. And I'm getting older. It's true. We get <laughs> older and uh, with kids, you know, your perspective changes, you know, as an artist, we change and our taste changes. Um, and uh, it's been, uh, and, 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 media has been changing um cinema has been changing 
it's uh, technology, all of this stuff, how we have relationships, how we communicate, who we get to see on a daily basis is changing, how we do interviews is changing. All that better change our filmmaking, a better, uh, you know, a better test what, what we're putting out into the world. Uh, otherwise, what are we doing here? So, you know, as I, as I mentioned, you're about to, you've screened this already for audiences. I think you had a big event out in LA just a couple of days ago. Um, you're yeah. going to have a massive one here in New York uh, in the Heights, of course, where you have to do it. Um, <laughs> talk to me about just over the years, is there one screening experience premiere moment that stands out to you as the high watermark that this one's going to have to reach? There's been some really good ones. I mean, G.I. Joe with The Rock and Bruce Willis at Man's Chinese was pretty, uh, at the Chinese theater was pretty amazing. Uh, Never Say Never with Justin Bieber. I mean, that's like, I think, I feel like BuzzFeed has written articles about that premiere, like how many young celebrities were there and where they are now. I think like the Kardashians and the, uh, and, and, you know, everybody, Selena, all those people, Will Smith, what has happened is crazy. That was like, there's 4,000 people there. 4,000 people watching a movie inside too, in the huge 3D screen. Um, that's a pretty high mark. So we'll have, have you, for, for this one, as people that have followed the production of this one know, given the, the circumstances, this was essentially a done deal. This was ready to go a year ago. Wow, it was slated for last summer, right? Yeah. We were on that road. Did I take this year and get in there a little bit? Sure. Okay, that was my question. Yeah, is it, is it hard to, to 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 relinquish control when you know you've got a little buffer? Um, yeah. And how much did you tinker with it? Uh, yeah, I definitely got in there. It's a better movie now today than it was uh, a year ago. Um, and partly it was like, let's see how this editing over the internet thing works. Uh, Myron, who's our editor, amazing editor, who also did crazy rotations, um, and. Um, we cut it down um, uh, by a few minutes, I would say, but it, but mostly more than that, there was a, a pacing thing that we helped, I believe, um, in it. Um, and even more than all of that, uh, we got more time in the mix because we were actually two weeks or a week into our mix when when pandemic shut us down. So now we got to do uh, ad time. We just blamed the pandemic and got extra time. And this movie, the mix is so important. Every musical, uh, I'm surprised. All musicals don't have this kind of time um, allowed for it because we had discrepancies between um, the music team, myself, sound effects, like how, what the balance is in a yeah. movie like this. Um, and we had to work that out. Um, by the way, uh, disclaimer, you might hear my dog bark occasionally. That, awesome. Again, we're talking about the, the adapting media landscape. For those that, are, that don't know it, um, literally John is uh, half a block away from me <laughs> in a box on my screen and my dog is behind me. So that sums up 2021 right there. Of course, of course. <laughs> Bring your dog over. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So um, I'm curious, like this, this has got to be a hugely emotional um, saga for you and, and, and every step of the way making the story. Um, you know, in the last couple of days, I've even seen, you know, like, no less than The Rock and Oprah, you know, tout like testimonials for the film. Um, what has been kind of the emotional high point in this journey thus far? Is it sort of like, are there different markers along the way? Absolutely. Uh, last night was a pretty high mark, not because of celebrities uh, saying it, but there's a generosity there. These people are being paid for this. That You can't even buy that. You can't even approach their reps for that. These are... Uh, people who've seen the movie, who've been moved by it. I don't know Oprah, but, uh, but, but I know Dwayne and he, he reached out and, um, 
recorded this. I don't know Hugh Jackman. He just recorded that. I mean, it's it means a lot to hear from and, and not just them. I have teachers from middle school and friends from high school who've reached out about how excited they are to see this, how it's going to be their first movie um, and people who have seen it, who um, it's very similar to Crazy Rich Asians of their how moved they are. Um, and had I not done Crazy Rich Asians, I don't think I would have understood it fully, like what it feels like to see yourself up there. Yeah. But because I experienced that um, and seeing how people react in a lobby and me myself awoke to it when I was watching my even my movie back, it was that was a um, an, emo, an emotionally, I don't know, it opened these brain waves that I didn't know I had. Mm -hmm. And so I can sense it now. And um, it, it tickles them. And I'm so excited for for people to be able to experience it. Well, I mean, I, I have to say, you know, with this embarrassment of riches of content in the, in the last year, especially, um, this is one of the few movies I, I, I've seen twice. And I, I, I took this, the opportunity to share it with my family uh, okay. over last weekend and my extended family and my nieces who were just, you know, singing the songs and just like I dancing as they watch. So you should, you should, as I'm sure you've heard many experiences like that and you're going to hear many more. So um, that's the thing, sharing, it's all about like, yeah, we spent a year not sharing. We spent a year like staying in indoors and like presenting on your Instagram or on your, you know, whatever, but like sharing physically, like here's some food. Here's like, um, here's some music. Oh, how do I, how do I, how do I do Mambo? Oh, okay. Let me show you. Let me show you what my mom used to make. Like, yeah. that's what I can't wait for the movie to evoke because I know it did in me being in Washington Heights. It's so funny. Cause like I listened back to our last conversation and so many of the themes you were talking about that resonated with you like exist in, in this film. You kept talking about community and, and, and in every respect to your life. Um, this is, this isn't your story, but it is your story. I mean, talk to me a little bit about like what your initial pitch was to win or the studio that, that said you have to be the guy to tell the story. Well, I remember first seeing um, the, the show on Broadway. I was directing Step Up to the Streets, my first movie. And um, one of our uh, salsa choreographers was in uh, in the Heights. So he invited me up, went up, watched it, never heard of Lin-Manuel Miranda before in my life. And uh, it, my jaw was on the floor when I saw it, not because of the spectacle of it, but because the songs and the story, and it's a very slice of life. There's no, it's not like a huge plot at all. It was something about, I had never been able to communicate what it feels like to grow up in, a, in, in, in my family um, I lived on the other side of the of the coast and um, in a Chinese restaurant. I never how it feels to grow up with your aunties and uncles raising you as long as, as well as your parents to have your boo boo teach you how to make food and what happens when she passed away and and how that crumbles your family and how you have to rebuild and then the pressures of becoming a storyteller after that of okay what are you going to tell who are you yeah. what are you going to bring forward um, he did that Hin Kiara did that in an amazing way. Um, and so I knew that 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 had an imprint on me. A decade later, I came uh, it came across my desk from Scott Sanders and Mara Jacobs, our producers, and I felt very compelled. This is this is before Crazy Rich Asians. Like right, I was in the same headspace of like I need to do something that feels very very true to me and and only I can do. Um, and I felt like I had been doing my whole life. I had been training to do this movie in a way of understanding dance and dancers, understanding the language of that dance is a necessity of expression. It's not just performance thing, to understand musicals, to understand um, music, listening to Lynn's lyrics and how he does, it's just, 
I knew that we could bring what it feels like to dream as a little boy in a, a in a room uh, bigger than the uh, the walls of your room, and that's it's, what Lynn connected on. The, the specificity uh, that you capture here is also just is so striking, and and I, I asked. Um, I always ask my, my uh, listeners for some questions. And this one is the first question I've ever taken from my own mom who watched the movie with me. So from Barbara Horowitz, uh, she, wants to, <laughs> she wants to know, um, how did you immerse yourself in Washington Heights culture to so perfectly capture its spirit, a community that isn't yours? So, I mean, again, you, you need to honor this specific community. Yes, you, you understand the broader themes, but it feels so tangible watching this. Yeah. Um, the close-ups of the food, the 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 atmosphere within these families. Uh, do you have to kind of take a crash course in like a, an immersion course in this specific culture to kind of nail it? How did that work? It was just a different process. Like it wasn't me with the answers. Uh, it was me with a basket and say, tell me, tell me, tell me why you love this place. Tell me what your dinners are like. Tell me what's your favorite part about uh, your grandmother's cooking and, and what are the smells you remember? And everybody contributed. Lynn and Kiara would take me around town. Here's the best cafe con leche. Here's the best handball game. I'm like, oh, handball, that's a huge, that's a thing here. Yeah, we love our handball games. Um, okay, here's the Piragua guy that we always go to. Go to. Um, here's the, our bodega guy. Like they have a relationship with them. and. Uh, for me, it was about, uh, I'd never been to Singapore before in Crazy Rich Asians. It was really learning that as well, but also um, going into Washington Heights, feeling, being an outsider, really um, listening, accepting, and then trying to uh, interpret what's, what are the beautiful things that, uh, that make it tick, that, that I even am discovering, because I could be from the audience perspective, like, oh, I've never seen that before. I've never yeah. seen food. If I asked a question, that was a good sign. Um, if I asked a stupid question, even better sign because we should let's let's help educate um, our audience as well. So I just I became a I, I can't say I became a part of it because but I but they were very generous and open to me and we every day actors, crew members, whoever, background people had a forum to speak up, and the director is the only person who can really prioritize. Uh, what you're doing in that day. So if it was, we're prioritizing getting the right sauce on that table, then we would do it. Um, and I couldn't do that if it was my first movie. I couldn't do that if my third movie, but my ninth movie, sure. Well, there's also something I think to be said as a quote unquote outsider in some respects to to celebrating what's day to day, what's routine to others. Because like I watch this movie and part of what I love is like, you know, seeing a, a kind of a glamorization of the bodega of the nail salon, of these, of, of the community pool, these mm -hmm. things that have, are never kind of like shown in this, in this light, in this kind of movie star glow, and mm -hmm. you shoot it like you do your actors, like it's just old style Hollywood glamour. Yeah, yeah. Is I mean, that part of the mission statement, uh, in a sense? Or? I think so. I mean, it, the way they described it to me, the 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 salons they took me into, the pool they showed me, it felt glamorous to me. When I went there, I was like, I'd never seen a pool like this. Why? These are huge. You spend your summers in this pool? They're like, yeah, it's great. And um, I was like, this is insane. Uh, and we joked about, oh, we got to do like a Busby Berkeley, Esther Williams number in here. And and then and we walked away and then we looked at each other and was like, oh, no, we have to do it. That's not a joke anymore. Like we said it out loud. Now it's begging us to do it. It's daring us to do it. And so we did. Um, and yeah, we had a lot of conversations of like how romantic do we want these spaces to feel and we didn't want them to feel romantic we just wanted them to feel 
how they feel when you are used to it, when you're yeah. around it all the time and when you're comfortable in those spaces. And so it was about, in a weird way, it's, um, well, I'm not gonna do a spoiler, but I'll say, I, in a weird way, it's when you, like when I would go into my dad's restaurant and I would see it as this playground. Right. Um, and eventually when you hear the stories of your parents of how they built it, it becomes way better than a playground. It right. becomes the story of your family. And I just think that's what I got to experience when I was brought into Washington Heights through Lynn and Kiara and the rest of the community. I have such a huge respect for that community. Um, and I can't wait for the world to have it for them too. Can, can you talk a little bit about just the experience of being on set, making this on location? Um, again, this is, I think you said your ninth feature. Um, you know, you clearly are born for this. You love to get in there. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, feeling the responsibility, feeling the responsibility surrounded by the people of this neighborhood. Were you able yeah. to kind of enjoy the experience? I mean, again, this is the first time like, you've been talking about doing a musical since you were a child, like dreaming of this uh, since you were a kid. Yeah. Um, was it everything you wanted it to be, everything you dreamt it to be? <laughs> uh, it was It was very stressful, no doubt. I like yeah. pressure, so I'm okay with that. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to get everything 100% right, so I was so I just tried to be as open as possible, and and in a way, um, Lynn and Kiara were there; they were around. They were always available for me. Yeah. They um, even when I and 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 we had a very safe forum. Uh, that the process was the thing that made it all work. That we all agreed to trust each other, and we all agreed to build this together. Um, and so, yeah, when I, we went to the community, of course, this is Lynn's neighborhood. He still lives there. So it's like, if you mess it up, he can't walk around this neighborhood. <laughs> and I know how sense. So the thing that I was more scared about, you know, the things that none of us would say, like something that I just accidentally miss. So it was like a constant go back. Like you can talk about a scene and then you go back and you're like, oh, but you know, whatever, that was a weird thing that we did with the, with the chairs wouldn't be like that. Or like, I don't know, like, oh, that's a very like, that's not the way we would serve food. And you're right. like, well, why didn't anyone say anything? Well, we didn't think of it that way. And then you're like, okay, well, let's, how do we fix that? So it's a, it was like, we had to always check ourselves yeah. every, every step of the way. Um, and we wanted to do it right. We knew what this opportunity meant more than anything. I, we knew how, um, what we had in our hand. And, but in the beginning of our first day of shoot, we all got in a circle and we said, let it all go. Let's just entertain the hell out of people entertain them. That's the way to their hearts, uh, through their laughter and through their enjoyment of this. Um, and so that's hopefully what we did. Is there, is there anything that you've been dreaming of putting on screen as a aspiring musical filmmaker again for decades that you, that you kind of checked off the, bu the bucket list with this one, um, whether it was that Busby Berkeley uh, pool number or something else? Um, I think it was elevating street style of dancing um, because I fell in love with it during the Step Up movies. I knew very little looking back. I thought I knew a lot, but once I got to know those dancers, the B-boys, the, break, the, the breakers, the poppers, the history of it, that, that when they walk into a club, they're judged. But when they start to dance, everyone wants to be around them. When they're on Third Street Promenade and, and storekeepers are keeping in their side eye on them. Um, but when they dance in that middle, people are literally throwing money at them. To me, I've learned, I respect them so much that they're telling their story every time they're beating themselves out there. I've always wanted, and we did it through LXD, we've done it through a lot of the Step Up movies, but never to an elevated like 
hey, put this in a museum type spot. And, right. and, and Lynn created this opportunity to speak the language of those representation is not just uh, color of your skin or where you're from culture. It's, it's, it's uh, the, the art that you develop. It's, it's in your movement, in your clothing. And so we spent a lot of time making sure that that was part of the conversation too, that it was not left behind. This is not Broadway style dancing in Washington Heights. I, right. That was my biggest, I think my biggest contribution. Me and Chris Scott, who's a choreographer, uh, we're very, very close. We've worked for a decade together. We were like, we need to bring authenticity to these streets because we know these people. These are our best friends. Let's get them here and let's tell, let's have them tell us what they we need to see. And that was my favorite thing. That's that's that was a bucket list item that um I'm I'm really glad that it, that's coming across. We, we've talked a lot about kind of keeping it, you know, grounded and authenticity, which is integral, obviously, to this piece. At the same time, you build and I don't think it spoils anything, it's in the trailer, there is at least one sequence as we progress in it between Benny and Nina, where you kind yeah. of, you, you, you revel in a bit more of kind of the movie musical, what yeah. a movie musical can be. Can you talk yeah. to me a little bit about that decision and did, did that feel like, oh, we're going out on a limb here or we've, we've earned this, we, we, by this point in the film, we can kind of go there and uh, celebrate that. I, 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 you know, that was a big risk when we started because we didn't know how the tone, I knew I could feel the tone, but you don't know until you're building the thing and the movie starts to speak to you. Um, and, and then you lean into what the movie's telling you what it should be. So there was a certain point where I was like, if the if we're shooting and we didn't shoot it to the end. So I knew if I felt like the movie couldn't handle it, that we could change it. I mean, the studio would be happy not to build that contraption, which is the most expensive thing in this movie. Um, so I, we, even though we were committed to it out up front, I think behind, uh, uh, behind closed doors, we were always very aware that if it wasn't right, we wouldn't do it. Um, that was for all the musical numbers, by the way. Even showing up on set, we had rehearsed many, many times, but if the actor didn't feel that the character would do that we would just say okay don't do the choreography i know you spent three months working on it but screw it yeah. do what you would do um and we had we just had tools on our at, 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 we had accessible tools at all times for us to be able to use uh, that took extra work from all the actors but everyone was down for that um but that thing yeah it was very scary but i knew that in order to earn it we had to do um you know for instance in the beginning uh we, we we have the streets are made of music and we add all these little you know the things that we see the the guy with the the hose going to the beat um and we added this turntable on the manhole cover it sort of spins and that's like the most surreal thing you see for like the first half of the movie right but without it the surrealness later feels out of nowhere but with that one little in the first five minutes of this movie you're, <laughs> you're setting the rules for the audience of what this world is yeah. we have to put that there and make it a joke. We undercut it with a joke with the gum on his shoe to say, hey, we're allowed to go there. We're not going to go there right now and we're going to make you laugh to forget about it. But just know like that kind of thing exists here. Um, and that gave us a lot of runway. And then slowly but surely, like when she, when Vanessa is frustrated, we extend it beyond music and dance. If she wants to run because that's how she feels to be trapped and you're running down the street and she doesn't cry, but instead tap fabrics come from the buildings as if they're her tears in colors and patterns and you feel the weight of that and then she runs past us like a 747 flies by, flies by us and then we pull out and we're still in her eye and she's in the same spot she started like 
That's what it feels to feel trapped. We gave ourselves permission to go a little bit bigger and yeah. to say, it's not just dance and performance for you. And until we finally earn, oh, by the way, this whole building can flip on its side and you're gonna be okay with it because it's what it feels like to be in love. Between Crazy Rich Asians and this film in the Heights, um, you have kind of helped, you're gonna have helped launch, you know, six to eight movie stars, essentially. <laughs> like, it's kind of amazing to think of because, I mean, we already see it from Crazy Rich Asians, whether it's Henry or Constance already had a great career going, but Aquafina, Gemma, mm -hmm. this one, you can't watch this movie and not say like, oh, that's a star, that's a star, that's a star. Like, it's yeah. just there. And part of that is, you know, in the casting process and in identifying talent, but also part of it is, again, I go back to kind of like how you treat your actors and you kind of treat them with the respect a movie star gets before they're movie stars in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, are you yeah. conscious of that? Like, I'm going to give them the movie star moment that they kind of deserve, whether the rest of the industry knows it or not. I think I had a really huge gift by working with Mark Ruffalo, Michael Cade, Morgan Freeman, Jesse Eisenberg. I mean, that whole crew really showed me, A, uh, how to work with actors who will take the, take the paintbrush and paint. And then I can do my job on the other side and we can, we can do a duet. And um, working with dancers are similar. A dancer that I, you can't write in a script, but because their style is made up for them, you work and you lean into their strengths. So coming into these movies, I just knew that like when I saw someone like Henry, he had that natural movie star thing. Like I've I've looked for leading men for over a decade. Then they are not easy to find. There's something special. It's a X factor. It's a confidence. It's an easy confidence. It's not trying. It's like they're not thirsty. They just they have this presence. Yeah. And um, Michael Caine always said like how because like, at some point I was directing him and he's like. Uh, I was like, can you get like madder, more mad? And he's like, John, real power doesn't get mad and doesn't move anywhere. They come to him. And that, I don't know why it affected me so much, but I was like, you're right. Like, you know, you know, you have power. Yeah. So when I work with these actors, I think it's just like, I find people with high, high confidence who know who they are. Even if they're kooky, they, they have no apologies. If you look at anybody in Crazy Rich Asians or in the Heights, the thing that pierces through that screen is confidence, the thing that people are drawn to, especially now when we've had a year of lack of confidence, that their confidence like draws you in and, and you get powered by it. Daphne Ruben Vega, who's been a, who's a legend and survived a lot and she's there picking you up off the floor and she's gonna now pick up the whole fucking world off the floor. <laughs> like you can't have somebody who's playing a part do that. Right. It's like, that's not, that's, that's not, the power it's not teachable it's 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 just they have it or they don't right yeah and the movie you get to be two inches from their face to see the bullshit or not see the bullshit which is even more compelling there, there's there's something um i don't know if it's karma or what but the fact that you uh, are you have this coming out in the same year as west side story from spielberg is is, is interesting in many respects I mean, for, for, for those that don't know i mean and again i remember this when i was listening back to our old chat Steven Spielberg is a huge part of your origin story as well. Yeah. I mean, he kind of helped discover you way back when. And you told yeah. me that like your first conversations were about musicals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is uh, was this crazy? Yeah, it's, it's insane. So have you guys crossed paths and have you kind of discussed the fact that you're kind of 
playing in the same sandbox at last. You got through the, the movie musical slightly sooner than your, <laughs> your mentor, Steven Spielberg, did. Just by a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I saw him at an Apple event and it was great because I, I, I don't know if he fully remembered what happened, you know, a decade before. Um, so it was really nice to catch up with him. And, um, and, and, and we were texting back and forth sort of as we were going into production. And um, in fact, he wanted to come to set. Um, uh, it never worked out timing and all that stuff, but, um, but we were close. We were like within blocks <laughs> for sure. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy that all these Latinx uh, performers get work. Yeah. I'm happy that uh, there are two music, movie musicals um, that are pushing the limits of what musicals can be that are being made right now or being released. I'm so happy that it evokes the debate of why, you know, people who like try to pit West Side Story against In the Heights, like, why do you, why do we pit that against? Why? Because there can't be two right. uh, Latinx musicals. Right. Now we get to have that conversation, everybody, and yep. you feel it. So you know that you're something deep inside that makes it confusing for you. So let's talk about, let's unpack that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, like, that's a great opportunity to have this conversation. And I, I, I Rachel Ziegler is like, looks amazing. Her perform. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I know how talented she is. And all those dancers, I know a lot of them I know. Um, some of them even crossed over and came over and did uh, some of our movie on their days off. So it was great. Um, it's all love and um, more is more. Have, have you snuck a peek at, at Lynn's venture into the movie musical? Tick, Tick, Boom is coming as well. Uh, yes, I'm excited. You know, Alice Brooks, who shot this movie, uh, he brought on to shoot that movie. And I, I've worked with Alice since she did my student short film. So I'm just so happy for, for them. And Myron Kirsten, who cut uh, In the Heights, is um, on Tick, Tick, Boom right now. And uh, it's just all, I'm just so excited that they're doing it. I, I have seen glimpses. Let me put it that way. How close have you come over the years to doing a movie musical before this. I mean, I remember way, way back when Bye Bye Birdie was like kind yeah. of almost launch your career, right? Yeah, there were like articles. I was looking back at articles about being the new musical guy back then <laughs> when I was attached to Bye Bye Birdie because it was pay or play. And they would look, I mean, who? I don't know what was happening back then. I was 22 years old. Um, and I had an original musical called Moxie over at DreamWorks that we sold to Steven and uh, that, um, Dan Jinks was good and Bruce Cohen were producing and that sort of fell apart. Um, what other, I think those are the two true musicals, musical yeah. musicals that I've been attached to. I've been attached to a lot. <laughs> and now you are more than attached. It sounds like, is Wicked essentially a go project? I mean, is that gonna happen next? I, um, we're working on that right now. So okay. I'm not the person who- Who greenlights that, money. but- However, uh, there's huge motivation, of course. Yeah. And uh, we're, I'm very excited about it. And we have a, I think we have some really good tricks up our sleeves for that one. What, uh, what resonates with you about that story? Can you give me a little taste of what, what drew you into Wicked when you first saw it and why you're excited to commit to the next two years potentially of your life to this one? <laughs> well, who wouldn't want to go back to Oz, this innocent land that we all fell in love with uh, when we fall in love with movies? Who wouldn't want to go back and re-examine what Oz actually is and that innocence uh, for a, a, a country and a world that's uh, waking up and um, and change is hard and change is not storybook and change requires struggle and anger 
and sometimes being wicked, sometimes forgiving each other. And I think that's a beautiful message that needs to be told right now. And obviously I'm a huge fan of the musical itself. Stephen and Winnie are incredible and incredible uh, uh, creative partners as well as Mark Platt. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to support the idea that, uh, well, one, these two women and their relationship is just yeah. Um, so real and so messy and so great. And I love exploring that, um, but also to, for the world to say, yeah, change is hard, but the only way out is through. Have you met with actors? Some have already kind of thrown their, their names <laughs> in, out there. Interviews of people uh, saying they sent me stuff. No, I'm ignoring all of that right now. We're, I got to get this uh, script in shape and um, my take in shape, and then we'll go from there. Well, it's good to know that, you know, the likes of Amanda Seyfried and Anna Kendrick are like ready and willing when you're, when if you're interested. Very, very kind, it's very nice. I'm kind of surprised, frankly, that like, given how successful you've been and kind of like the different kinds of genres you've done, that in this age where every director of note does a Marvel or DC or Star Wars film or has their name attached to one, that you have not had your name attached to one. Have we just missed it in the trades? Have you come close to doing one of those projects or are you not interested or what's going on? Um, I am, I don't know. I'm just in my own world right now. I, there's things that I've been, um, I've been busy doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've had those comments. You had to have at least talk to these folks. It just hasn't happened in the right way in the, the right project yet. Is that uh, no? I mean, I think I've been. I think I literally when I did Crazy Rich Asians, uh, I already had my next movie, so I didn't need to entertain anything. That it was actually a blessing. I just was like, I have my next movie. I'm 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 going. Yeah. Um. And uh, and so we'll see. What What is the? Can you boil down the holdup on the Crazy Rich Asians sequel? I mean, you're obviously busy. All your actors are busy. Is, is it a matter of that or is it getting the next no, script it's, right? No, it's a matter of me wanting the script to be right. I'm not yeah. going to drag everybody back, especially now, if it's not better and we have something that's uh, new to say. And I think we are on the on the trail and I think we have some great pillars. Um, and we'll, so we'll see where that goes. But that's, you, that's the main thing. It's, it's really honestly me making yeah. sure that uh, it's good because they're going to look to me and be like, don't mess this up, John. <laughs> As Lynn wrote on my script for In the Heights, don't F it up. So, Is that what he wrote? <laughs> so as a yeah. reminder? He, he had a smiley face on it. Well, of course, it's Lynn. <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> um, as you know, I'm a fan of yours. And as I think you might remember Thank as well, I'm a huge always fan. Been kind to me. Always been kind to me. Oh, no, please, sir. Um, I am crushed in one respect that willow didn't happen hmm. and i know if it was it was for a good reason you've got a lot going on in your family but yeah. i didn't even realize when i had heard this news that you were going to do willow how close how important willow is to you one of your children is literally named <laughs> is that... she is named willow yes yes my wife refuses to believe that that's why her name is that though is there a factor is that a part of the algorithm or no um of Oh, was she named in part because of your love of Willow? Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. She doesn't want to hear it, but it's true. Um, I uh, yeah, and I was we had a great time. I mean, I the, the script is great. I mean, what John Kasdan is creating, uh, and that and Lucas it's, it's it's great. It's what we need now, and um, 
I was excited to be, we were designing, we were like in it, we were casting. And the reality was COVID, like COVID just yeah. didn't get better. It was getting worse. And I had the family that for a year, I, I was so glad I was there for it. And now she was, my wife was pregnant again with another child and the dates just kept pushing. And now I, I mean, literally the, if, if I had stayed, I would have had to quit now because right. it got pushed so far that it, my, my baby's born going to be born any day. So I, I'm really glad we, I did it back then, but it was very, very difficult. I thought Kathy Kennedy was going to kill me, but <laughs> she could not have been kinder. She like, honestly, she was like amazing. Uh, amazing person to talk to about this stuff. Actually. Well, c c congratulations on again the the new addition coming to your family. I assume if it's a boy, it's Mad Mardigan. If it's a girl, it's Bav Morda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either way, Bav. Come Bav. Is that because I've actually been talking to folks in the last year about their comfort movies? Would Willow be considered one of your comfort movies? Can you can we just yeah. revel in our love of Will Willow for a second? What did you love about that that film when you were growing up? Uh, I think it was the idea that anyone could have magic, the idea that you did not have to look like Batman, um, that, uh, and they're kooky. And it, it, it was that like, Mad Mardigan had that um, swagger. He almost looked like he didn't even want to be in a movie. <laughs> like <laughs> there in this fantasy and they're making jokes of it and you were down. It was like speaking to a kid. I love that. And Ron Howard has such a purity to his heart that I just felt like the idea that pure good uh, still exists and it's worth fighting for to me, like that's that always those stories always hold close to me. And if you can have humor about it and not be uh, uh, over sentimental, I'm in. It, it sounds like you have a pretty full docket coming up potentially with Wicked and potentially with Crazy Rich Asians. The sequel comes around. But is there you've been attached to a lot of things over the years. Is there a script that's gotten away that you could see yourself coming back around to with your your newfound juice john m chu ruling hollywood as you do now <laughs> that what this is i yeah. like it. i'm anointing you the king of hollywood congratulations <laughs> um uh no i mean i'm developing a lot of really interesting stuff yeah and every time i finish a movie i'm a different person and uh and and this world is a different place and so i'll be compelled to where we're at and um what is what makes me curious so I've always, I fell in love with movies, not because I loved watching movies, although it was a huge part of growing up. I fell in love with movies because I loved making it. I love not knowing. I love gathering my friends, forcing them to be in it. If they didn't want to be, I love figuring out where am I going to get these lights? How am I going to tell this? I love watching people watch it and be moved and feel like, oh, this is the same way the dancers go on, on the promenade and dance and people would pay attention. Like that was the only way people would hear me and I was down. And so in a way, now the making stuff is just like it's like a shark swimming through water like i just need to like i don't know if keep you know moving that. do they need to swim through water to they gotta it? keep moving yeah you gotta right? keep moving yeah yeah i feel like that's what i have to do so whatever feels right will fill my belly during that moment that's what i'll do Excellent. Well, I'm so thrilled to catch up with you at this this exciting moment. Um, I know it seems like it's been a long journey, but in some ways the journey is now like just getting started because you're now delivering this baby, yeah. this other baby to the world. And, um, you know, yeah. as you can tell, it's it's already resonating with the early audiences. And, and it, you know, for those listening and watching us, um, if you have the opportunity to go out and see this in a theater, this is a true audience movie and um, you're going to have a blast this summer. And um, congratulations, John. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Josh. Welcome back to the movies. Let's go. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. 
Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha <laughs> ha